0: This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society.
1: Good morning, friends and warriors. Welcome to podcast number 11. We are so very happy you're joining the Bellator Colloquium today. I'm Tracy Eddy, and my co-host Fran Yeager is recording from her home studio in Franklin, Tennessee.
0: Hello, Hello. Tracy. Happy day to you. I'm good. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing very well because we have a guest in house with us today. We have Greta Carswell who will be joining us for this podcast. Um, We have so much to talk about. Our topic is the Blessed Mother. Yay. And exactly and we we used to this topic or we chose this topic because it is the month of September and September is a, traditionally known is as a month of Mary, right? A a month that we dedicate to the Blessed Mother, um, specifically um, Our Lady of Sorrows, because during the month of September, we have her feast day um, on September 14th for Our Lady of Sorrows. But she actually has a couple of other feast days during the month of September. She's got the Nativity of the Blessed Mother on September 8th, the um, name of Mary on September 12th, and then Our Lady of Sorrows on September 14th. So we we think about her a lot during September, and uh, we wanted to just talk more about her. But before we talk about her... Let's talk about our guest. Welcome. Thank you. So again, this is Greta Carswell and she is a dear friend of mine from here in Nashville. She's actually I think you're my first Nashville friend. Wow. Shut That's up. an honor. <laughs> Such an honor. Is it an honor? It really is. Truly. Or an is honorably. it a or is it a cross? Who could no. know? I'm going to go with honor. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to be your friend too. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank for having me. We chose to invite um, Greta to join us because she is a convert to the Catholic Church. So whenever we talk about the Blessed Mother as Catholics, we always want to be very careful to have you know good and fruitful discussions about her with people who might not um, think the same way we do about the Blessed Mother. And I think that it's particularly um, helpful when we talk to someone who is sort of, crossed the Tiber mm. on the subject, right, yes. who, has, who has come from a Protestant understanding of who Mary is, um, how we relate to her or don't relate to her mm. as Christians, um, and then sort of coming into the Catholic Church, how you made that journey. But before we talk about that, I think that maybe you should tell us a little bit about yourself. What do people need oh. to know about you? What are you into? Oh. What do you like? Okay. Well,
2: um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm truly honored and grateful. Um, to be chatting with you both, um, so yeah, so um, I think my my husband John and I have three children, um, and we live here in Franklin, Tennessee, by way of the Navy. We were Navy family for about five, six years, and I've been blessed to settle here in Franklin, and um, I've been here uh, about more than ten years at wow. this point, which yeah. is crazy to think about. Um, I love to read, I love to run. We homeschool our three children. Uh, John and I have a podcast all about Tolkien called The Tolkien Road, and um, which I was not even really into Tolkien, and so we (laughs) started the podcast,
0: (laughs) which is kind of funny. By the transitive property of marriage, you now love J.R.
2: Tolkien. But the funny thing is I, I kind of got the job as my husband's co-host <laughs> because I would make him look really smart on the <gasps> podcast because I, like, knew nothing about Tolkien. I'd read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, but that was about it. So that's been really fun. We've been doing that for several years at this point. Um, and then I also help run our homeschool tutorial yeah. um, here in Franklin called St. Thomas More Schola. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of... Me in a nutshell. Yeah, and like you said, I'm a, I am a convert to the faith. John and I came into the church in 2010. So, um, so we come what, up on our 10 year anniversary next year. Yeah, y'all
1: came in together. Yes, we did. Oh, That's awesome because you know usually yeah. you find a husband comes into the church because he marries a Catholic or vice versa, and so I love it when I meet someone that the family came in together or, um. A couple came in together, so that's awesome. I didn't realize you were both yeah. converts.
2: We are, we are, and that's that's kind of a whole other long, dramatic story. But um, but yeah, I I kind of joke that John dragged me in kicking and screaming, which was <laughs> only only partly true. <laughs> just but kicking. um just yes exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it's God has just continued to confirm mm-hmm. for me um and for our family that. That he ap- he appreciates the uh, the journey that we've made into yeah. the church. It was not easy. Um, we're the only Catholics in our family on both sides. Wow. Um, so it's it's definitely been difficult at times. Yeah. But I'm just I just feel so blessed to be a part um, to be in the in full communion uh, with the church. Well, we're so. happy you're here. Welcome to the family. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> I'm very, I love it. So, so and great.
0: obviously part of that journey uh, was uh, coming to know the Blessed Mother in a different way. I mean, not mm-hmm. like you were introduced or something like you sure. became Catherine, you're like, oh, and there's, there's this one other right. person you need to introduce <laughs> behind the curtain we, we have. Right. Like you always knew that she existed Absolutely. because it's kind of yeah. like one of those things that, that, you know, it exists in tension between non-Catholics, Christians and right. Catholic, Absolutely, um, yeah. I, I mean, mm-hmm. Catholics. Um, so what was your understanding? You know, you, you kind of referenced your journey, let's, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's multiple multifaceted. Like there's so many things about converting to the Catholic church that are um, just uh, that you have to deal with, Mm -hmm. you know, I Mm -hmm. mean, so many different um, understandings and doctrines and interpretations of scripture and all of these things. So we're just going to like narrow it down um, and be kind of myopic and just talking about your journey towards the Blessed Mother. Um, If indeed you you do, because Mm -hmm. again, I think this is something really important. Like we have, there are certain dogmas as Catholics, that we have to believe about the Blessed Mother, but no one is like you know like r- roping us into like being her BFF. Like that's not a requirement <laughs> to be Catholic. Like, right. You you are not right. chained to your rosary. You know you don't you actually don't even have to pray a rosary right. to be a Catholic in good standing right. with the Church. I mean, it is good if you do. It is a beautiful prayer and a wonderful devotion. Mm-hmm. But um, there are some things that we have to believe and do, mm-hmm. and there are other things that we don't. Right. And so, um, can you kind of walk us through maybe just the beginnings? stages to you being introduced to this new way of relating to her yeah yeah absolutely
2: I'd love to um I actually I have a a good friend who's on her way into the church and asked me kind of that exact question Mm. just a few weeks ago and at first I was a little taken aback and then I started to answer and I found that I couldn't stop talking like I was just (laughs) like i've it's it's really kind of amazing to me to to' just kind of think back about where I was when we first started our journey and where I am now as far as my relationship with Mary goes um but basically as a Protestant, you know I obviously I knew her as Jesus's mother, mm-hmm. um but really, we kind of brought her out of the closet at Christmas, oh yeah, and kind of put her back, you mm-hmm. know um, and then that was kind of it mm-hmm. I mean she's there, she's in the gospels and you know you, you you read about her but there's not there's not any kind of devotion and as a protestant like i think a lot of protestants i kind of had the misconception that catholics worshiped mary yeah that we kind of put her that we put her above jesus mm-hmm. sometimes and um, which obviously i've come to understand is completely not true but it's such you a were, sad misconception it really yeah. is it's so sad especially now knowing every, no, now knowing exactly what the church teaches well I know mostly what the church teaches, and you know just my own Mm -hmm. experience—the things I've read and um, just experienced in my own daily life with regards to Mary. It's—it's so yeah, it is. It's really sad. Um, But when we were beginning our journey, Mary—Mary was a huge obstacle for me. Really? Okay. Which again just seems so silly. But um, you know, I was really okay with the Pope. Mm -hmm. I was. (laughs) I was. I was was okay (laughs) with okay with Pope. (laughs) Yeah, I was okay with the Pope. I mean, that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm good with – I can handle leadership. That's fine and authority. Um, I was good with a lot of other things. I was good with the real presence, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mary just really, like it – was, it was really hard mm-hmm. for me to, to kind of accept everything the church taught about her. Um, and I really – John introduced me to a book um, by Scott Hahn called Hail Holy Queen. Yeah. Which I recommend to everyone – Like, I wish all of my non Catholic friends would read that book about Mary. Because it just really, it's, I mean, it's apologetic, but it Mm -hmm. just does it in a very gentle, like, just very approachable way.
1: Yeah. Um, And it's a
0: scriptural approach
1: as well. It is. Absolutely. It's scriptural. And it also comes from a person who was not raised Catholic either. And so I think in a very special way, he gets. The obstacles. He gets the the hang-ups that non-Catholics have about some of our traditions and some of our devotions. Um, And because I read some of his um, books early, like in college, you know, just out of curiosity, really. And it was such a different kind of refreshing perspective because he, like his Rome Sweet Home book, it took you through his journey. And then, you know, his wife's journey, and like you, Confession and Mary, I think, were two biggies for her. And so it's I love reading how other people have have learned and kind of worked through some of the, the doctrines that maybe seem challenging. So anyways, I'm I'm glad you said something about Scott Hahn because I think his his um his approach is again from someone who's not always a Catholic, hasn't always been a Catholic.
2: Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I think um, that book, like once I finished reading that book, I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good with Mary.
0: <laughs> That's fine. That That's good now." easy yeah. <laughs> yeah. driving Yeah, I mean – like I'm, an easy button. It, it yeah. kind of was. It kind of was. Like
2: I think I just needed someone to explain it to yes. me. Like in a very – like just common sense. Like now I think about it. Like, well, of course Mary would have to be immaculately conceived if she was going to bear the – you know, bear mm-hmm. Jesus, who mm-hmm. himself was without sin. You know, I mean it just – all the things that just made sense. Now, yeah. I would say that I, like, on an intellectual level, I understood and could accept the church's teaching on Mary at that point. But as far as a relationship with her, yeah. mm-hmm. that, that took another few years. Um, I wouldn't – I was very hesitant to start praying the rosary because, mm-hmm. um, again, it was kind of that whole thing, oh, am I praying to Mary or am I praying to Jesus? Right. And, you know, I was really having a hard time reconciling that. Um But I think really the turning point for me um, in my relationship with her, and forgive me if I get a little choked up, but um, several years ago our youngest child had an anaphylactic reaction and um, ended up in urgent care and then being taken to ambulance to Vanderbilt. And it was the scariest event of my entire life. Um, I mean, I saw him turn blue. I saw his, you know, I saw him, like, begin to stop breathing. Mm -hmm. And I was just – I mean, I was a mess. I couldn't even think clearly. But the one thing that came to my mind was Hail Mary. Ah. And I just started praying. I, I must have prayed 20 Hail Marys yeah. in like a minute. I mean, I was just, that's all I could do. And in the middle of, you know, of my double decade or whatever you want to call it, um, I saw him, I saw his lips start to, to you know, have color return. I saw his pulse socks start to rise. I saw him kind of start to move. And I was just like, yeah like I could breathe like I knew we weren't out of the woods but I was I just had that peace yeah, yeah. like you know and I feel like Mary really made herself known to me in that moment mm-hmm. um like she knows what it is to lose a son yeah she's she, a mother she is yeah, our
0: mother exactly
2: yeah. exactly and she knew what I was going through at that point yeah. point. and um you know people will say oh it was the oxygen Brennan was getting or oh, it was the epi yes okay absolutely but you can't tell me Mary didn't have a hand in it, right. you know, that she's, you know, and, um, in that, and not just in, the, um, you know, I believe she was right there at Jesus's ear being yeah. like, she needs you, you know, like come through for her, come through for her. And just the peace that I had mm-hmm. like that. I really felt her presence.
0: Well, and not to discount the, the power that she does have and being in the, the, the ear of her son, because I do right. think that that's a real thing and mm-hmm. not to discount that at all. But also in a very, in a very real way, we all have that experience of when we're going through something really difficult, you remember the person who held your hand through that, you know, whether or not yeah. they made it better mm-hmm. by their own power, like whether or not they were the ones who actually solved the problem for you, the fact that they were there to hold your hand and be with you and suffer to have yes. compassion, yes. you know, yes. it, that's, That is our lady of sorrows, Mm -hmm. you know, that that she is compassionate towards us. She Mm -hmm. has been where we are um, in in, in full humanity. You know, she has had temptation as we have had temptation. She resisted it. So she is the, you know, par excellence, uh, you know, of creation. But she still did it. She still was here with us and
2: understands it. Right. She did it without sin and did it perfectly, but she still went through it all. Yeah. Like everything that mothers are going to experience here on this earth and possibly even more. Yeah. She's been through and she's conquered. Um, and that, that's just a huge, a huge consolation, mm-hmm. just knowing that she's there and she, you know, she knows and Jesus gave us to her, gave her to us as yeah. our mother. Yeah.
1: I catch myself saying, um, Mary, mother of Jesus, be a mother to me now. Like that's kind of become my short and sweet. Um, when I feel like I'm in a pickle or when I'm having a day that just, I, I need a mom. I need, like you said, the, the compassionate mother someone to hold my hand just mary mother of jesus be a mother to me now and of course that's not worshipping mary as we've said before on this podcast it's having a relationship it's having a conversation it's it's having a friend it's having a mother who is just like a warm hug um and i like you said i always get that sense of peace when i say that prayer um kind of a calming you know i know that jesus you know, is my savior. God is my father, but we also need mothers. We need a mother. We need that feminine, um, kind of touch that feminine and compassionate, soft, um, relationship. And that's what Mary has always been for me, especially now that I'm a mother. Um, and I don't have a a mother on earth anymore. Um, obviously I, I still talk to my mom in heaven because we believe that, you know, that we can converse with, with the saints in heaven, but, I, I talk to the Blessed mother all the time as my mother mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: back to the Scott Hahn uh, book I believe it, like right in the beginning of his book he references um, th- this idea that in the Catholic Church we do we, we have the sense of a need for that that motherhood right that sort of that 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 feminine motherly um, person uh, to relate to that doesn't replace or anyway supersede God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but it's still participatory in that that family understanding of the church, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I was in a conversation with someone who was not Catholic and is not Catholic, who did, just wasn't getting it, like wasn't getting married. And I was like, I got a book for you, <laughs> so I gave her I gave her the um, Hail Holy Queen book. And she couldn't get past that first chapter when Scott Hahn makes the point of, we need mothers. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the Catholic Church understands that. And, you know, Jesus in his wisdom and, and in his providence and in his mercy on the cross gave us yes. his mother, mm-hmm. right? You know, when, when he mm-hmm. looked at the beloved apostle um, who represents all of us, you right. know, we, we are all beloved mm-hmm. to Jesus and mm-hmm. he gives his mother. And and in the same way he gave his mother to us, and, and we just recognize that as a gift, um, and it's something that we really do need in the same way that, you know, people, there, there are different ways to think theologically about, did Jesus really need a mother? Well, of course not, because God can do anything. You know, he could have saved us with one drop of his blood and yet he chose the cross. You know, he could have entered the world in any other way but through the Blessed Mother, but he chose her, you know, because it was fitting. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the same way, we have this, this this blessed mother. We have our Lady because it's fitting; it, it just fits mm-hmm. in our experience of humanity. You know, we need fathers and mothers, and I think we live in a culture that so quickly has discounted recently <laughs> that we need fathers yeah. and mothers. Mm-hmm. But but there's something just inter- integral to who we are as human beings that recognizes. We do need a father. We do need a mother. Right. We do need those, those people in our lives to nurture us and help us to understand what it is to be a family because that's what, that's what God is all about. He's bringing us in as his children. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing so makes true. you feel more a part of a family than knowing, that's my mama. Exactly. <laughs> yeah? Exactly.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. so true. It's so true.
1: So this week we have quite a few Marian blogs up on the, on the Bellator Scriptor site, don't we? We absolutely do. We've have so we've been running
0: for the past two weeks, um, Marion, because again, this is a month devoted to the Blessed Mother, and so we just we put an APB out for. Um, is that a, is that a word? Is APB? I, is that what it is? What, what is that what that it is? All All Points Bulletin. Yeah, that's what it is, <laughs> y'all. I just said something that I wasn't a hundred percent sure was a thing. <laughs> I was but like, it's a thing.
1: Sure, whatever. <laughs> we did that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> So we, we, we put out a bulletin to all of our um, Bellator contributors and just ask them, like, what do you know about Mary? What's your relationship with her? We want to know more about her, and we want to share her in the same way that we all talk about our moms. Like, that's what mm-hmm, we do. Right. Mm-hmm. So we just want different perspectives. <laughs> we want different, different perspectives on the Blessed Mother, and we got them. We did. Boy, we got more than we, we, we
1: could handle. <laughs>
0: We did, and we're actually saving a couple of them for when they are more like seasonally appropriate, but the ones that we chose for this kind of series on the Blessed Mother during the month of September, I thought were so beautiful, and and again, did give us such different perspectives.
1: Um, Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, I want to start with yours, Um, because you talk about, and I love it because if you're, even if you're a Catholic, I remember growing up and you would hear like, Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Lourdes. Our Lady of Good Counsel, Our Lady of Sorrow, and you're kind of like, is this all the same person? <laughs> how can this multiple personality? How right? are <laughs> we Mary, Endurer of Knots. I mean, there's so many um, kind of devotions to Mary that even a cradle Catholic can sort of scratch their head sometimes. And you wrote an article and and kind of called those nicknames, and you talked about. I want to hear your seven nicknames off the top of your head because you reference that. Um, And I've I've got a few, like I was called Miss Pickle in the 90s because I loved eating pickles at the football games at Eldorado High School when my sister cheered. And so that became a name. You know, you do have nicknames for different seasons of your life. Yeah. Um, And so you put this article in such a, a relative way that we could all relate to she's a normal woman she's got a lot of titles but it's sort of what she's known for in different parts of the world yeah so I love I just loved how you frame that
0: <laughs> thank you thank you I'm not gonna go through all of my nicknames right now but uh one that always makes people chuckle is I'm Aunt Frank to my nieces that and nephews cute.
1: Cute. <laughs> that is uh, so sweet yeah,
0: yeah. Um, So anyway, yeah, I you know, I do think I'm, I'm on the same, I'm totally on the same page as you. Like it does get a little overwhelming, especially when you go through that litany of Laredo, um, hearing all of the names and hearing things that aren't necessarily like, our ladies, like, she, you know, she's called, you know, a, a tower of ivory, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And you're like, I don't really, Morning Star, I don't really get that. <laughs> but um, my husband and I actually did a, a talk for a young adult group um, on the litany of Laredo. And we went through every single one. One of those titles and talked about their origins talked about you know how she got that title and you know it's it is just as you said like how we get our nicknames mm-hmm. like that they, they mean mm-hmm. something they tell a story basically yeah and in the same way that um the psalm that i referenced where we actually get the idea of what a litany is tells the story of god you know, we call him the Lord of Lords. We call him all of these things because it's helping us remember who he is and what he's done in our lives. And that's what all of these names about the Blessed Mother are for. They're just to remind us about all the little ways that she is the queen of the details. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's almost like there's a Mary for every
2: situation yes. too. Yeah, <laughs> You know, it's like... Like Mary, undoer of knots, yeah. right? I mean, if you're really struggling with a particular situation, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, ask for her prayers or Mary, mother of sorrows, yeah. you know, for anyone that's lost, you know, or struggling with, with loss or, or sorrow. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's just beautiful. And well, I think she makes it more relatable. Yeah. I think it makes her more relatable to us to be like, oh, she's been, you know, just remember. Like it reminds us what she's been through, yeah. and what she's done.
0: One of my favorite icons is Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Mm. We have one up in our house, but um, I love this icon because in a lot of the depictions, um, it's Mary holding Jesus, and Jesus sometimes looks like a little like scared, and he has a sandal that's hanging off of his foot. And the story behind that, as I've as I've heard, is that um, it's it's you see angels in the icon too, and if you look closely, all of the angels are holding instruments of torture from the Passion. Mm mm and it's though Jesus wow. as a baby, like I think a two or three-year-old saw, you know, because I mean, he's, he's Jesus, but he's also... A baby. God. <laughs> right, right. And a baby. And a baby like, yeah. so, so he had, you know, we, we can imagine that he had, he was living in this kind of, you know, almost uh, just, just strange world where he had a sense of who he was and he was coming to understand who he was in the world. And he had this mama and he saw this thing that scared him and he jumped into her arms and having that little, that little sandal like fall mm. off his foot, you can just see like a baby just running To his mom's arms and and her protecting him, you know, um, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And I just, I love that icon. Mm -hmm. And I love, and I think the icons especially, um, I mean, I am a huge fan of our Eastern brothers and sisters. (laughs) Because I love art and I think they have it figured out in terms of iconology. Mm-hmm. And if you just spend time with any of her icons under any of these titles, it tells a story that just, just um, brings to mind uh, her participation in the life of Christ. I mean, because that's what it's, that's what the rosary is yes, about. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. It is the things that she saw in the life of her son, and we reflect it through her. Like we we reflect on it kind of through her eyes. Yes, and and that's yes. what these icons and these titles also do for us is they help us to understand who she was to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, you know, the more we make of Mary. The more we make of Jesus, Absolutely. the more you know. the the, mm-hmm. the higher we put her in terms of honor and and devotion, we're saying, Jesus, you can do this for a person. You know, if you can bring her to this measure of holiness, this mm-hmm. this if you can bring someone this close to you, where you were in her womb you can bring us close too you can yeah. make us holy too and so Absolutely. I just I, I always yeah. say I, I have difficulty ever you know um, trying to reduce Mary or trying to say ooh Mary step, step back you're getting,
1: getting a little too close you yeah, because like I want to be that close yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Greta you just yeah. you just said there's a Mary for that and it kind of made me have an internal <laughs> chuckle of like there's an app for that there's a Mary for that there's a Mary for that <laughs> I think we need a Bellator
2: t-shirt oh that <gasps> Oh, oh, or at least a good
1: coffee cup. Yes. There
0: you go. Yes, absolutely. What are, what are y'all's favorite uh, titles or devotions to the blessed mother?
1: I love Mary and of knots. She, she gets a lot of my complicated life (laughs) in her hands. Um, I'm always asking her to, you know, untie the knots. Um, of course I love the rosary. So that's, that's the daily devotion. Um, and then our, because I went to Lourdes, so I love Our Lady of Lourdes. That's just special. Um, but as I'm learning about new devotions and new you know, titles for Our Lady, I find myself interested and curious and in looking into them. Um, for example, I think I texted you about this last night, Fran. A priest told me to look up Our Lady of Good Success which is in Ecuador. And I I haven't even learned anything about it, but I'm going to. So I'm learning that there's so many different titles out there and the way she's manifested and and kind of helped humanity um, for thousands of years. It's almost like there's no way to really ever know all the different ways she has appeared and and, um, protected and um, served the church. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I love that that you mentioned Mary and of Knots because that's one of my favorites too and in in kind of studying the the origins of that title I, I mean that is actually one of the very first um, understandings that the church had of the Blessed Mother during, uh, you know, the, the second century. I mean, this is early church. I think a lot of people, especially people who don't understand um, the, the church's uh, continuous teachings on the Blessed Mother, think that our veneration of the Blessed Mother, our devotion to her is something that was, you know, made manifest in the medieval times. Like, this is a medieval fabrication. Like, in, in fact, I actually did hear this on a, um, it was it was a very renowned uh, Protestant uh, scholar and, and and, and preacher, and he actually said the words that, that Marian devotion came from the Middle Ages because. It was during the Middle Ages that Jesus was relegated to the monasteries, and people felt too far away from him, and therefore had to go to Mary. And I was like, "Oh my goodness, how ignorant of history is this?" Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is a scripture scholar, and yet to say something that ignorant really—it it really, you know—it yeah. got me. It, it got, got me loyal. a little hot at the moment. <laughs> but Mary, Endure of knots, is one of our very first and early understandings of who Mary is, and it comes from—I can't remember if it's Justin Martyr who would have been like. Oh, oh, like 165 AD or it might have been Saint Irenaeus of Lyon they were both very very early Mariologists and it was this understanding that that Eve through her disobedient, disobedience you know made a knot for us uh, and Mary through her obedience is the undoer of that knot uh, where beautiful. where Eve said no um, and uh-huh. rejected the will of God in her life Mary said yes uh-huh. and became you know the, the conduit through which <laughs> yes. God was made man you know uh-huh. that she accepted the, the mm-hmm. incarnate god into her womb and and undid the knot that eve did for us and so this yeah. mary and doer of knots is is you know that's that's like numero uno yeah. in in terms of of titles for the yeah. blessed mother it's big time yeah big time yeah. what's yeah. yours what's yours greta um well you know i i love the memorare mm-hmm. and um me too i like
1: that one too <laughs>
2: <laughs> me too me too um and i love it when the you know the whole uh the emergency novena. Oh, I yes, think it's called. me too. Me too.
0: <laughs> we need we need to add Greta we
2: to do. our emergency novena. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I think that's probably one of my favorites. And then also the Saint Andrew's novena, which is technically not really a novena, but it's it's the it's a you know a devotion. Um, really, I think to Mary, mm-hmm. leading from it starts on the feast of Saint Andrew, yeah. November 29th, mm-hmm. I think, or the thirtieth. And then Ghost of Christmas Eve. Yes. And it's just a way to meditate on you know, during Advent mm-hmm. on what our, what our Blessed Mother kind of went through yeah. you know, in those weeks leading up to the birth of
0: Jesus. Um, because that's when women need to be with each other, right? <laughs> I mean, like it helps us be close to the Blessed Mother yeah. during that, that liturgical time of preparing for Christ. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's at the end of a pregnancy where you really do want someone to walk with you. Yes and bring me yeah, some you food. Need. Yes. <laughs> Go get me a water. Yes. Yes. Rub my feet.
2: <laughs> All the things. Yeah, and um and of course, you know, we can't not mention the rosary, yeah. which is something that I think is really um it's it can be a chore. Like yeah. it's a long, it's it's like what is average is 17 minutes, yeah. you know. Um, and that's if you're focused. But what I found super helpful um is if if you have time to do a scriptural rosary absolutely um and doesn't have to you know just maybe one sentence of scripture mm-hmm. for you know at the beginning or a couple at the beginning of each decade or one for mm-hmm. each bead or something i think really helps to focus and help us walk with mary mm-hmm. you know through the life of jesus and really help us meditate on the mysteries that we're praying through.
0: Well, and that's Um, actually one of the blogs that we have up on the, on the blog this week is a, is a rosary resource uh, that someone recommended. It was Erin Bayard and she recommended a a particular uh, Christ centered rosary meditation, which I think when you, when you dive into that, you do realize the beauty Mm -hmm. of the rosary Mm -hmm. and that, and that, that um, meditative hail Mary decade is just giving you space and time to reflect on Jesus, yes. because that's what Mary always mm-hmm. points to. She mm-hmm. always wants us. It's never. She's always reflective, right? Mm-hmm. Any any light we 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 shine on her is always immediately reflected, yeah. um, you yes. know, back to her exactly. son. And so exactly. when we use those ten Hail Marys, and you know, a lot of people think, well, it's just it's just kind of vain repetition. You're just saying the name Mary over and over again. We're like we're saying it over and over again because she immediately points us back to her son. Mm-hmm. Like there's no better mm-hmm. reflector and, most and magnifier. The,
1: and yeah. most of the words in the rose in the hail mary i mean it's scriptural it's hail it's it's the greeting that elizabeth gave to mary you know hail mary full of grace the lord Mm -hmm. is with you you know
0: gabriel actually said those
1: things right Right. exactly um and then also just while we're talking about the rosary for a lot of people i don't think they maybe realize that the you say 10 hail mary's but then you kind of meditate on part of the life of christ and there's the sorrowful mysteries that we say, you know, twice a week, I think Tuesdays and Fridays. And on those days, we meditate on the sorrowful parts of Jesus's life, his passion, his agony, his, you know, his death. But then we have the the glorious mysteries and we have the luminous mysteries. So we go through Jesus's life um, and you can kind of say whichever mysteries you want, but traditionally you say, you know, two on two, one on two, I can't say this right, you say one mystery (laughs) on, you know, two days of the week, one mystery on two days of the week, one on, you know, Thursday, the luminous mysteries. But it gives you, if you say it daily, it gives you kind of like um, really a full look at Jesus's life and gives you an opportunity to reflect literally on the valleys and the mountaintops of his life. Um, And I think that's something that we probably don't talk about enough when we talk about the rosary,
0: Oh goodness gracious! Yes,
1: I think I think we too
0: often uh, say our rosaries, uh, maybe in our rooms, you know, with the door shut, because we don't want it to be too and too and too, in, too intrusive on the sensibilities of some Christians, you know, because it, it it is different. Like there are no other Christian. Are there any? I can't think. I'm trying to think if there's any Eastern Christians that would use a use you know beads to pray. You know, there there are definitely Mm -hmm. other other faiths that use beads to pray, but it's something that's just out of the ordinary for people. It's a little uncomfortable that you would use Mm -hmm. beads to count your prayers, and Mm -hmm. what does that mean, and all of Mm -hmm. these things. I mean, it's kind of like our whole talk about sacramentals. Like it just gets a it gets a little weird for people sometimes. But I think when we do circle it back to we're doing this so that we are creating time in the world to meditate on the life of Christ, you you can't say that's bad. It's very 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 difficult to make that argument that that you're doing anything wrong by um, explaining it that way and by practicing it that way. You know, I do think that sometimes we fall into the trap of like, and I do this, you know, if I, if I feel compelled that, you know, I need to to say a rosary, but the day is going not as I had planned, sometimes I'll do a fast, sometimes if I'm, Sometimes if I put it on my, because I have, you know, a scriptural rosary on my, mm-hmm. I have an app on my phone. Sometimes I'll put it on one and a half speed. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. I have done that. I admit to you now. Okay. A fast rosary is still better than no rosary. Right. That's rosary. Right. That's right. And it still, again, created time in my day that I would have spent. I can promise you, I would have spent thinking about other things mm-hmm. than the life of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ.
2: Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it can be really difficult to to stay focused for yes. the whole five decades. Um, in fact, we we have a good friend who's a um, he's a Franciscan friar of the re- of the Renewal. He's um, down in Nicaragua. And so
0: basically a super ninja priest. Yeah, awesome. and he wears like a Jedi robe. Yes, he does. <laughs> and
2: they have, you know, they
0: have like the whole like
2: complete five decade, you know, the, the four, <laughs> like do. the whole, you know, the whole like 20 decades yeah. of the rosary rosary on their thing. Um, but I, mean, I think John or I was kind of lamenting about how, how we just get frustrated with ourselves, about how distracted you can get during yeah. the rosary. And uh, he kind of smiled at us and he's like, I don't think i've prayed a good rosary in my life yeah, yeah. so even religious struggle with it but you know but that, that's not an excuse not to do it because you're never gonna get good at mm-hmm. it or get better at it if you're not doing
0: it. well tracy i mean it harkens back to our podcast on prayer like so many people don't pray right. because they think they're not doing it the right way right. like what right. if prayer is just lifting your heart and mind to god you know, and what if the rosary is just giving you time to think about the life of Christ and you're using these prayers as your timer? I yeah. love that also yeah. about mm-hmm. the uh, blog that we had up this week on the high-intensity interval yes. training as <laughs> yes. the rosary. Yes. Wasn't that good? That that, so good. that one was by, yeah, that one was by Diane Mashburn. And um, if you guys have never done high-intensity interval training, have you, Greta? No, I'm scared. Yeah, well, you should be, because Tracy and I had our first experience together. I don't think I've done it since. Uh, oh my goodness! So we hired a or we we joined this this trainer group. Um, golly, a long it was time maybe ago. eight years ago. I mean, it was a way long time ago. We were in the best shape of we our were. lives, by the way. Strong. We were so strong. But we weren't strong the first time we went. The first time we went, there was like a thousand burpees.
1: I didn't even know what a burpee was.
0: Exactly, I didn't either. When they were like, and now the burpees, we're like, what? And then everyone's like on the ground, jumping in the air. I'm like, this this seems Catholic. Like, there's a lot of things happening here, a lot of movements, a lot of sit stand kneeling, right? Okay. So it's probably good, but I don't know. I mean, art. We were so sore. I couldn't. We put were on sore.
3: For
1: like two days. <laughs> Rice my arms. <laughs> I needed I needed uh, prayer during that time,
0: but Diane's piece on high on how she related it to high intensity interval training I thought was so cute, and and right like that's Mm -hmm. what the rosary does for us it gives us a high intensity opportunity to reflect and meditate and pray, Mm -hmm. um and and then we can kind of go about our daily lives like that was
1: the that was the hit it's Mm -hmm. intense yeah yeah Yeah. it's an intense seventeen minutes. (laughs) <laughs>
2: exactly, and you know, it's also I loved that too because it kind of reminds us that you don't have to just sit still. Yes, and like you know, and pray. Yeah, I mean, if you can, you have the time to do that, by all means. Mm-hmm. But like, it's pray rosary when you're driving in the car. Oh, you know? absolutely. Or when, or when you're just washing dishes or yeah. doing, you know, folding laundry. You know, I mean it you could while you're running, I mean it's mm-hmm. yeah. It's just one of those things that you can you just really gotta get creative. And I will say that
0: sometimes when you put the app on one and a half speed, it actually helps you go faster because <laughs>
1: it's it, <laughs> it motivates you. I know it's <laughs> okay. just going a little bit faster. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I've been known yeah. to say the rosary on my app in the car line and or sometimes the Divine Mercy at whichever one, but um we had a joke that I would pretend I'm talking on the phone because you know in Carline there's cars next to you there's moms walking between the cars like waving so I'd act like I'm really into a conversation yes. as I'm praying my rosary mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so people don't think I'm so, so when you're praying like, I mean yeah. people actually think I'm praying <laughs> that's my <laughs> trick hold your phone Oh, I fun. like and
0: it. I like are talking into it. Pro say true. the rosary is- into your phone and no one talks to you. <laughs> <laughs> they will leave you alone. I'm going to awesome. try that with my children. <laughs> just see. Just see if it works. Genius. <laughs> it doesn't
1: work with children. I-, I can tell you that. Okay. Well, wow, well. thank you for-, for trying it out for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. One of my other blogs that I really liked this week was Christy Bentley's. She talked about Fatima, oh. Our Lady of Fatima. And was it, it was just the 100-year anniversary of Fatima, right? Like, a couple years ago? We did have the anniversary. I think it was a 100. I think so. I think so. That um, sounds
0: right. Yeah, that sounds right. Because yeah. it was it was prior to the World War. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, If we're wrong, someone's going to correct that's us. That's right. Let us know.
1: <laughs> but she talks about how Our Lady of Fatima took her under her wing when she was, you know, after she had experienced a miscarriage and then she was having a really difficult pregnancy and just all, it was like Our Lady of Fatima just kept coming. Um, she t- talks about a statue that was um, on, like, a traveling official statue of Our Lady of Fatima and how um, it got to be in her home right after the birth of her baby. And they called and said, can you keep it longer, which is really what she wanted in her heart because she felt like Our Lady, you know, protected this baby. She she kind of turned him over to her when she was um, pregnant. She had some bleeding and some issues like that that made it a high risk pregnancy. And then the baby was born on Mother's Day. And three days later was, you know, the the um the, her feast day on May 13th. But then the baby's weight was like five pounds, 13 ounces, just all these beautiful coincidences <laughs> that she was like, just little bitty things here and there that she felt was Our Lady kind of whispering into her ear and kind of just giving a warm hug to her and her baby and so i teared up reading that one it was just so beautiful
2: it is it's really beautiful and i think that's just awesome too that mary can speak to us in whatever way Mm -hmm. will is going to be receptive for us right um you know and and for christy it's the 513 and she has a, you know a strong devotion to Fatima mm-hmm. and if I might I'm gonna tell a really quick story kind of because I know Christy very well we helped run the homeschool tutorial together and um, toward the end of our last year at, at the tutorial we were just having a day I mean we had all these kids we were short a couple parents like some of our paid teachers were out I mean <laughs> we had a, we had arranged for the priest to hear all the kids confessions mm-hmm. ahead of time which was awesome but then that added like another layer of complexity to the day that we didn't normally have and we were just kind of like ah we were kind of at our wits end because Christy. And I help we run it together, and at one point I um, I was just kind of frustrated or whatever, and I kind of threw my keys down onto the table. I mean, not you know, I was just like
0: oh. so violent. Yeah,
2: I know, right? <laughs> they, it didn't hit anybody. No, no property or child was damaged in the process. <laughs> but I threw it down, and Christy goes five one three. Mary's got this. We're good. And I'm like, what? <laughs> she's looking at my keys, and she's like five thirteen, and I'm like, what? And I didn't even notice this, but one of my keychains. And John's gonna chuckle when he hears this. But one of my keychains is a keychain that he gave me for Christmas mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and it's a reference to um, the show Twin Peaks. That many- Maybe some of your listeners not know Our Lady it or of Fatima. not. Okay, no, not Our Lady of Fatima. But it's a keychain that's a replica of um, a hotel key, yeah, like a keychain, yeah. like an old time hotel oh, yeah. keychain yeah. that has like significance in the show. Yes, and the room number on the keychain is three one five. And I had never noticed it before because uh-huh. I've already seen it as 315. Uh-huh. But when I threw it down on the table, Christy looked at it and said, 513, Mary's got this. And I was like, oh. oh, my gosh, that is just too cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now every time I look at that keychain, I think of Mary, yeah. which is really funny because it's a Twin piece keychain. But anyway, I just I think <laughs> that's so beautiful. I mean, I have had that keychain
0: forever yeah. and I'd never even noticed. But yeah. Christy saw
2: it and a split yeah. second later, she was like, oh, Mary. And I'm like, Oh, that's really
0: cool. And I think if you're looking for if you're, if you're looking for God to to touch you, if you're looking for the saints to interact with you, y- you will see it. You like will see you it. will see it. You like will. you kind of have to be, get get tuned mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. to that frequency, mm-hmm. right? Um but and and we can easily ignore it as well. Yeah. Like people can ignore God, believe mm-hmm. it or not. There are people <laughs> in this world who ignore that there is a God mm-hmm. um who is the creator and and you know just that, it's it's so bonkers to me. That, I mean, again, not to go into like the whole spiel of the you know proof, proofs for the existence of God, but it's hard not to know that there's a God if you just look around, right? right. Yes. And I think in the same way, like that's how the the community of saints works. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if we're looking for a participation um, in the in the whole community of saints and believers, mm-hmm. we're we're going to see those little consolations. We, are. Um, we th- are. They're not going to be invisible to us, but we do right. have to be open to them. We do. And and look and because. It is a relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. there, there is no relationship if you're constantly ignoring that that part of, of, you know, or that person.
2: Yeah. And, you know, as a Protestant, that was something like, I mean, God gives those things to all Christians, Mm -hmm. I believe all, you know? Yeah. Um, But as a Protestant, I was just, I was not looking. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure they were there, but I just was, I didn't know to look, Mm
0: -hmm. you know? (laughs) Um,
2: But now I do. And it's
0: like.
1: Really well, that's beautiful. okay. So that's
0: actually one of my questions um, about your, about your journey into Catholicism and into a relationship with the Blessed Mother. What were some of your biggest, or what, how about you just like, what was your biggest obstacle? Like, what was the thing that you feel like was like, oh, that's like, I get all of this and it's easy or mm-hmm. it's maybe not easy. Well, maybe it was easy after you read the Scott book, but <laughs> it was easier. Um, but then there was just this one thing that you were like, I gotta, I gotta sit with this for a while. Yeah, that's a good question. And
2: you know, um, I think it just kind of goes along with Mary that the communion of saints Mm -hmm. was really hard for Mm me. Um, And I think it was just because, you know, I was never taught that, you know, once you died, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. we believe people were with Jesus, but you, we didn't, we don't pray. We never Mm -hmm. prayed for the dead Mm -hmm. as Protestants. Um, You know, that was kind of like, oh, we believe they were in heaven, Mm -hmm. but you just, that was just not a thing, which is weird to me because we profess the same creed that the Catholics do, which right. specifically says, I believe in the communion of saints. And so, <laughs> um, but that was really, it just was really hard for me. And I think, again, it was like the whole fear of idolatry. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to put these people above, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to pray to these people. Like, right. you know, um, but the well, way, beca-
0: because, uh, Prayer was your highest form of worship, right? right. Like yes. that was the thing that that was that it. was, that was mm-hmm. synonymous with worship mm-hmm. to you. If you pray, you were worshiping. Yes, that it was less about the communication and more about the the worship aspect. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And and you
2: know with um you know with the tradition that I was raised in you know the whole sola scriptura and you know the whole faith alone Bible alone mm-hmm. thing. It was like it's all you need. You just need the Bible and you just need Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and so anything that was kind of external to that, that mm-hmm. was kind of along the peripheries, made me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was probably my biggest hurdle. Because again, I, I thought that we prayed to these people. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that they were being put on the same plane as mm-hmm. Jesus, and that that was, did not sit well with me. Um, but uh, the way John explained it too, because I remember he and I had lots of conversations about different things. But one thing he said in particular about communion of the saints, mm-hmm. and he was like. How much? Do you have pictures of the kids up? Mm-hmm. Do you have pictures yeah. of, you know, because kind of in, in in conjunction with the community of saints was the whole iconography thing. I was really having a hard time with. And he was like, "We have pictures of the kids up. We yeah. have pictures of your parents up. We have pictures of your dead grandparents up. You know." <laughs>
3: um,
2: and he was I mean, and he was like, "These are these are our family mm-hmm. that are alive in heaven. Mm-hmm. So of course it makes sense that we would have pictures of them mm-hmm. up. You know." And then as far as the praying, you know, praying, asking the saints' prayers, mm-hmm. he's like. You ask for, you know, I asked you to pray for me and mm-hmm. I ask, you know, you you ask your friends to pray for you and why not do the same thing if we believe and we do that these, these men and women who have run the race um, and, you know, won the crown. Yeah. Are alive in heaven. They're they are even closer yep, to right. Jesus than we are. Yeah. So why why wouldn't we ask them to pray for us if we're yeah. going to ask our friends here on earth to pray for them? Why wouldn't we
0: ask them? Yeah, why did we have? Why do we have this dividing wall among the communion? And we think it's such a a hard and fast thing when when as Christians we really do believe that that death is is. The progression into eternity, yeah. right, and yeah. that, and that, and not just into it, not into this like you know metaphysical eternity, but like into the life of Christ Himself. Right. Like mm-hmm. we are that much, it's just as you said, that much closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, He would share. He has a concern for us. Yeah. He doesn't want us to go to heaven and forget about all the people that we loved in the right. world, right. you know, that, that we would really have a participation in, in their lives and in helping them, you know, achieve where we are. Like exactly. assuming we're in heaven, like we mm-hmm. want that for people. Right. You know, we, right. We yeah. want that for them. Yeah. And, and we could, you know, if our prayers get them even, you know, one step closer, then, you know, that's, that's kind of our job as Christians, yes. you know, to be, mm-hmm. to be like Mary, mm-hmm. uh, Christ bearers, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely, to, to yes. bear Christ to the world is mm-hmm. our job. And nobody mm-hmm. did that better than the blessed mother. So, you know, of course she, does have like an exalted you know rank in the hierarchy of creation Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. that is the 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 key there that she's a creation right she's not the creator she's not God and so it's almost it's almost I feel um inappropriate to to have that that discussion of does Mary supersede God if you spend too much time thinking about Mary are you you know for are you are you somehow you know throw in shade at God, like <laughs> they're not shade. the same. You know, they, it's not the same. They, they are, you know, ontologically different. You yeah. know, she is a creature. He is the creator. Like mm-hmm. she can do nothing to, to take away from him. And the more honor we give to her, the more honor we give to God, because right. like the creator, the artist is, is complimented when we love their creation. Yes.
1: Right. Yes. What, yes. What, what saints say. said, and I say this because I'm putting y'all on the spot to see if y'all know because i can't remember it might have been Padre Ooh. Pio, but quizzes he said. <laughs> said never worry about loving the blessed mother too much because you can never love her more than jesus like it will always be below the devotion that jesus has to his mother
0: i think that was maximilian cole thank you
1: yeah i knew you would know <laughs> maybe i think that i attribute right. <laughs> most things to either augustine <laughs> or padre pio <laughs> <laughs> they're both really good you said those, those are good bets. <laughs> they're superstars good bets. yeah yeah so i always i think find consolation in that not that truthfully that i worry about it about having too much devotion to mary but i think for some people who do that's a good reminder you can never love jesus or sorry you can never love mary more than jesus does you can never hold mary in higher esteem than jesus does like so you're okay you, if you're you're following the example of Jesus by loving his mother.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely. love that. I love that. Okay, we could talk about Mary for forever, years, yeah. days, yeah, forever. And right. I actually have like notes that I wanted to talk about that we haven't even gotten to. So I think we're gonna have to have another Mary. Po- I mean, it makes sense that we would talk about her like a couple of times. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we might mention her every once in a while. Uh, but I do think that we should jump into our last little things because. Greta and I have a fun last little thing, but will you go first so that we can end on ours?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> you have one? Do you have I a last little I bit. Have one.
0: Do you not have a little bit not today? Not right now, because you wanna- I've
1: heard y'all um, peppering and sort of so I don't know what your last little bit is, but I'm gonna jump in on it. And I might have a last little bit to go with y'all's last little bit. Oh, okay. I love know, that you right. have something to say. other people's conversation that's why
0: i a little bit wanted to save time for this last little bit because it is (laughs) and uh i thought that we would also maybe bring a special guest an additional special guest into this conversation is that a good idea sure okay so i want to do something (laughs) i want to do something a little bit different for this last little bit uh because Greta and I were having coffee before we started this podcast and we got into a conversation that we were like, we have to talk about this. And not only that, um, what we didn't mention is that your husband, John Carswell is our producer extraordinaire. Like he does all the things for us online and, um, we know that he has some thoughts on this topic too. Yes. So I want to invite him. So our last little bit might actually end up being a last big bit, um, <laughs> cause I want to talk about something that's going down in Nashville right now. Now, Harry Potter goes to Nashville. Nashville, <laughs> or maybe he's leaving Nashville. Or he's leaving <laughs> Nashville. So, John, I'm going to turn it to you. Do you, you want to give us like the like the Cliff Notes version of what's happening? Uh,
3: I will. I will attempt to do so to the best of my ability. So, uh, as I understand it, uh, there's a parish here in the Diocese of Nashville, St. Edward's Parish, uh, and the pastor there is um, is Father Dan Rehill. And uh, in the last week or so, uh, it came out that he had decided to remove uh, the Harry Potter books from the library for the school that uh, the parochial school that's part of that parish. Mm-hmm. And we, I, I first caught wind of it through Greta. Um, I think you're on a some kind of mail distro yeah. and, and heard heard about mm-hmm. it there. But uh, so we were kind of talking about it on on Saturday when she first heard about it. And then it's, and then yesterday <laughs> we talked about it with some other folks over the weekend. And then yesterday it, you know, you see it on like all the national news outlets, you know, and you're yes. like, hello, here we are, you know, cause, cause I, I mean, I don't know father Dan well, but I've, I've met him before. And, um, uh, as has Greta and you know, it's this, this one just it's a big news story that hits close to home. And, uh, in more ways than one for for me because you know we've uh i've certainly read the harry potter books and i i'm a i mean i'm not a super fan of harry potter but i like harry potter and uh and, but I also feel like father dan is a very uh, is a very good priest and so this is a very you know this has been a very uh, interesting little thing to see pop up on a on a national scale so that's that's my maybe introduction to it. Um,
0: that's that's definitely the background that that I am have understood from the things that I've read online. And I will say I haven't seen it on any of the national news outlets. I know that it has been, um, but I have read about it, like on message boards that I'm on, like you know national message boards. So it's by no means just a Nashville thing. Tracy, have you heard? Have you had you heard
1: about this? No, I haven't. But I sometimes think i live under a rock so <laughs> there's that They're, that's fair i mean you are in arizona they have
0: lots of rocks so hot yeah so so i guess the the controversy it, it, the underlying controversy is whether or not um well i mean obviously it's whether or not you should remove books from a school library like that's that's the whole like book banning thing but aside from that like is there a danger in Harry Potter? I think that's the heart of the of the um, contention that people have, and it's not new. This isn't a new argument. I mean you know, right. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whenever, you know, Harry Potter started coming out, like there was always a contingent of people who were like, Ooh, mm-hmm. the occult, mm-hmm. they're talking about witches and wizards. Like there's magic.
1: We need to be wary of, of these things. Aren't those the yeah. same people that think Halloween is bad too, though? That's what I always thought. I always <laughs> oh, kind of put them in the same. Don't get them, don't get them <laughs> started. Level, like anti-Halloween, anti-Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> um, no, and, and, and,
3: and Sorry, I, I think it, it might be, um, It might be a really good thing to just uh, go ahead and read what Father Dan actually said, read his own words about it, um, because I think that's only fair, you know, since he's at the center of this firestorm, maybe uh, not maybe not even be able, being able to believe what what has happened to him in the last week i don't know uh but right.
0: maybe, maybe he's a sacrificial lamb for things that he didn't even really intend well, or say so what did and he And let's say? be honest maybe, there's or, always or there's, maybe not
3: let's be honest there's always there's you know this is there's probably a lot more going on here than is just you know on the on the surface of it but here's here's what he said this is i'm quoting from You the
0: news isn't giving us the full story?
3: I know unbelievable isn't it? I'm, my mind is blown. <sighs> uh, but but this is from a um what I what is I feel is a pretty reputable uh, source for news on, in Catholic matters, which is catholicnewsagency.com. Yes. And um, and they here's what they quote him as saying, These books present magic as both good and evil, which is not true, but in fact a clever deception. The curses and spells used in the books are actual curses and spells, which when read by a human being risk conjuring evil spirits into the presence of the person reading the text. Um. Uh, he also said that the books glorify acts of divination, of conjuring the dead, of casting spells upon other acts that are an offense to the virtue of religion, to the love and respect we owe to God alone. Many reading these books could be persuaded to believe these acts are perfectly fine, even good or spiritually healthy. Um, so, yeah, that um, that's that's kind of the summary of what's in this article. There may have been more, you know, but that's, that's what they pulled from his statement. So I, I think that gives us something good to work with in terms of yeah. where he's coming mm-hmm. from. Right. So
1: what's the mm-hmm. counter? Because when you hear that, I mean, that kind of sounds legit. Like, okay, if I agree with that. Yeah, actually. I I yeah. I agree with that statement. So what is the counter? Because I know a lot of good God fearing Catholics and, and priests Yeagers. who love and, Harry Potter. They're, yeah. you know, JK Rowling fans. So well, how what why is he maybe not right?
3: Well kind oh, who, who Can wants, I, ask for,
2: I want to ask clarification yeah. on something super quick. So what he said, what he said at the beginning there is that he said magic is both what well, he said, magic is presented as both good and evil, which and is not true. What is not true. So what does he mean by that? It's only one or the other
3: well, or, well, that that's, that's part of, that's part of, for, in, in my mind, that's part of like what you have to dive into here, like to, to, to sort all of this out. Right. And, um, and and I, I I totally get where he's coming from, right? Because there um like there are explicit uh, prohibitions within the Catholic faith of things like, you know, the occult and divination and dabbling and all those sorts of things, right? Like we're not supposed yes. to I mean, from the earliest days even of uh Judaism, right? You know, it's forbidden to you know, to pra- to practice divination, to um uh to you know to conjure uh to conjure the spirits of the dead and um you know and, and do like fortune ta- fortune telling and soothsaying and all these sorts of things uh so it's you, you can't you can't argue with what uh he says there in terms of that these things are 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 bad right that those right. kinds of things are bad um i think that magic is just an extremely loaded word um and mm-hmm. it it you, it's it's a term that you really have to define, and I I do think that while probably most of the things that we would consider magic are, um, you know, in in the way he's talking about it, I think in his mind he's 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 just trying to be very clear about his standard, and and that's laudable I think for a pastor, uh, for a shepherd of souls, but um, but but magic means a lot of a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and I would even go so far as to argue that there are, that there are Catholics out there who would think isn't isn't what the church teaches about the Eucharist magic, right like you're taking bread and wine and turning it into the body and blood of Christ right well so, that's
0: actually where we get the term hocus pocus is from the Eucharistic uh, uh prayers right like, yeah pe- people really did think that that was hocus pocus happening when, when <laughs> Jesus a, a consecration oh, yeah
1: yeah a I know point. that I, um, I knew that, but I hadn't thought about it that way
3: so so i don't I don't necessarily want to um like get way down the road of you know arguing about what like it it's it's definitely a like a we can establish as a as a principle a very early principle in this that like uh there's definitely a prohibition against for for the in in the Catholic Church against dabbling in the occult and there's a danger there right 100%. and yeah uh no like that's just that's not even that can't even be a controversial thing right right um the, the,
0: cate- the catechism itself says that it is that magic i mean it goes into detail of what that means even when used for restoring health for instance these, these instances of magic are gravely contrary to the virtue of religion like gravely mm-hmm. contrary to the virtue of religion magic is bad in this
3: world yeah. right mm-hmm. um now here's i think as i've been trying to sort all of this out i like the thing that first you know that you'll first hear in kind of defense is that he has he is a pastor of this church and 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 the prince i guess the principal of this school maybe uh, maybe he's not the principal but he's the you know he has overall responsibility for the school he has a prudential judgment right to exercise in such matters right of whatever books and no doubt like there are i mean this is a elementary and and I think middle school for you know for what we're talking about here, no doubt there are gonna be books that we do not want in in elementary and middle school. So there you know there there's certainly books. I mean, you can think of absurd examples like you like you would never allow a 50 shades of gray <laughs> to be in this library, right? Um, no, but, please, but no. But like uh, uh, I don't know these days some maybe some of the schools would. Uh, but uh but but I mean that's just that's an absurd example, but like there are other ones that you probably wouldn't know. I was thinking like I wouldn't I probably would I don't know much about Twilight, but I probably would not want my kids if, if my kids were like hey Dad can I read Twilight I'd be like no you know like it, from what I understand of that you're not reading Twilight but my kids wanted to read Harry Potter from the time they were really young and I was like I'd already read them Greta had already read them and you know and they've all read them now uh, especially the older two um and they've we've seen all the movies and um they have never nor none of us have ever had any signs of possession or any interest to dabble in the occult and, um, and, and on the flip side of that, I actually think there's a lot of good that in terms of example that these books yeah. can portray. And so it becomes that, you know, that's as a parent, that's where your prudential judgment comes into play. If you ban something outright, you tend to make it, uh, you tend to have the, there's an opposite reaction that happens of making something taboo. And that that can be alluring in and of itself for, for for people, right?
0: Prohibition taught us that, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, whenever, whenever you're tempted to, like, put the kibosh on something as a parent, right, you always have to balance that and say, like, okay, is, by doing this, am I, am I just going to make this more alluring? And, and that, Mm -hmm. and that's not the final word on it, but, you know, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of stuff you have to balance, and when you're Mm -hmm. trying to make a decision like this. And, um, and so, I I just look at it and I'm like, I get where you're coming from, Father Dan. I think that I think that a a better approach would have been to say to send out a letter as the pastor and just say, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna allow these books to be in our library because they're the most popular children's books of like probably of the last generation, right? Yeah. Um, they are inc- they're I mean it's a cultural phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kids will read these books if they want to read these books. I think a better approach would have been I'm going to send out a letter to the parents with resources and that just contains a a warning about some of my concerns with these books to provide them with the with the ammo to make good prudential judgment uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to their kids wanting to read these books. Um, I mean, I I went on to Catholic.com the other day, which is the Catholic Answers website, which was hugely instrumental in my own conversion to the faith. And I just, I feel like they have so much good content in terms of helping you understand different issues. And I I Googled Harry, you know, I I searched Harry Potter on their site. And, you know, the first, there was like three or four articles that came up immediately dealing with this, this exact question, right? Is it okay for a Catholic to read Harry Potter, right? And all of them basically said, yes, there's some things you should understand, but yeah, it's fine. And, um, and one of them even answered that quite like, was like, are the spells in Harry Potter actual spells? And it was like, answer, no. And then it went into the explanation (laughs) and basically the explanation is just like, it's, it's crappy Latin, right? Like it's bad Latin is what it is. And
0: well, and also how many witches can you think of that might be in the world that I actually do believe in, and that there is the occult, you know, I do believe that there are evil people and, and evil spirits out there, you know prowling the world seeking the destruction of our souls i think that's true Mm -hmm. but how many are casting spells to make people laugh uncontrollably like that's what's happening in harry potter right right? or lumos
3: right you know let's let's shine a light on this right
0: Mm-hmm. But but I mean, and, and there are some darker elements, but when you do deal even in Harry Potter with the sort of darker side of things, there is a very real opposition of good and evil. And mm-hmm. while kind of referencing back um, Father Dan's, um, his, his statement about, you know, all magic, whether for good or for evil, it actually actually comes from the catechism because the catechism addresses this as well. All magic is evil in this world
1: mm-hmm. right
0: but this is a totally different world we're dealing with like right. if we're open if, if we're trying to somehow make a moralistic judgment on the magic of harry potter are we doing the same are we having that same standard for other books <laughs> i.e., J.R.R. tolkien <laughs> right? <laughs>
3: or yeah or c.s lewis, or yeah, C.S. lewis yeah. and the chronicles yeah. of narnia yeah i mean yeah. and and um yeah and and that's where that's where this starts becoming really, really sticky because of course, Tolkien was a, um, I mean, personally, I feel like Tolkien was a saint. Um, uh, but you know, he's, he's not canonized or anything like that. But I mean, you're talking about, you know, a man who was a devout Catholic and, you know, um, it's not in the same way maybe necessarily as our is, is in the Harry Potter books, but magic is definitely a presence there. And there are wizards that are good characters in those books, mm-hmm. uh, as there are in the Chronicles of Narnia when cs lewis was a devout a very devout christian very close to catholic and um so I, I yeah i just um i part of this for me too is i think of like as a pastor these days um and and i you know i i'm saying this with with as much humility as possible but i you know and i and i hope it's worth something but like uh because i'm not a pastor and i don't know all the pressures that pastors deal with and i again i want to reiterate that every uh all of my knowledge of of Father Dan is that he is an outstanding pastor like he is a truly holy man and um and that he has the best interest of uh the spiritual uh eternal best interest of his flock and of the children at that school in his mind um but i just i i look at it and um and i just i th- i think this was not a um that th- that this his concerns could have been addressed in a better way, and now this is all kind of blown up in his face. And I think of people may probably you know because let's be honest in the lot la- in 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 most parishes these days, your average lay person is probably going to be on the wrong side of church teaching about a whole number of issues. And yeah, but this, uh,
0: but, but this is the hill we're gonna die but, on here but, And, and, and <laughs> yeah. so I think
3: of like people who are maybe like don't agree with the church on contraception or something like that, and you know the next time he gets up there to maybe preach a homily on that topic um yeah. or whatever topic it might be that's you know that people disagree with um they're going to think oh yeah but this is the same guy that banned Harry Potter right uh, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 yeah. for me that's troubling like because mm-hmm. because most parents are just going to be like my kids read Harry Potter and their heads aren't spinning right like they have no interest in the occult um so what's what's the big deal and you know i that's that's where i that's where what i see in all of this is i understand where he's coming from and i think he raises some legitimate concerns that parents you know a good catholic parent should address with their kids as they're reading these books you know honey understand you don't need to be going out and trying to become a witch or a wizard for your you know when you grow up you don't need to be going out and trying to cast spells on on um you know on people and these kinds of things that's very bad right but, yeah. you know, and and so but that's our job. Like, that's your job as a parent is to help them mm-hmm. is to help people under, is to help your kids understand yeah. how to walk how to walk the <laughs> how to walk the thin yeah. line in this world, you know.
0: Exactly. Well, and Greta and I were just talking about that earlier. Like, I think it was St. Augustine who said that, uh, you know, complete abstinence is easier than temperance. And in a way, mm-hmm. when you ban books, when you ban concepts, when you when you take things out of the realm of discussion, it's almost easier. Like, we don't have to deal with things that might be challenging or mm-hmm. or concepts that are hard to understand or, or scary even. You know, if right. we don't have to talk about it because we didn't even read the book, then that's almost easier than actually engaging in, in the conversation and working through, and it's so much more work. I mean, as a parent, it is so much more Mm -hmm. work. And I'm sure as a pastor, Mm -hmm. it is actually easier to say, just don't read them. You know, it, the, and he may have seen, and, and I want to say this too, like I know that there are accounts or I've read accounts where people have said, well, I know, uh, an exorcist said that this kid, you know, fell into, you know, torment or possession, um, you know, because of reading Harry Potter. I don't know if that's true or not. Like I, I don't, I, I don't have any first person knowledge of that. It may be true, but my sense is that maybe there was already a fragile soul there to begin with, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and maybe that child didn't have parents who were guiding them informing them along the way that when they encountered Harry Potter and that was the first, I don't know, experience they had of something, you know, uh, mystical. And I mean I mean that like in, in a very general way, like mm. mysterious to them, mm-hmm. there's something in us that, that desires the mysterious. mysterious. Yes. Yeah,
3: totally. And, totally. and
0: they, and they latched on and the devil saw a window cracked, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and maybe for that kid or that person, that was the, the entree. But that isn't everybody's experience. And if we're constantly looking for evil, we're gonna find it. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know you
0: gotta, There's gotta be an intent or an, an openness
2: there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. I just wanna know if y'all um y'all will not send y'all y'all will not think poorly of me then for having a Harry Potter themed birthday party for my daughter <laughs> this year. <laughs> Did it complete with every Harry Potter balloon costume stuffed animal game. We've got it all. So I'm glad to know that um, at least with this conversation and with this lay perspective that I'm not sending her.
3: Can I I come to eternity? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like fun. It was
1: last year, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) she's still into it.
3: Yeah. It, uh, I, I, the, the argument of um, like this exorcist said that it led this one person into the occult or something like that. Um, like to me that's just not a very strong argument because um like again it's 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 the process of discernment and and you don't even know like what specific things like what what are we actually what saying was it? like yeah. like what actually happened and because you know let's let's be honest like you can you can take that to an incredible extreme that is also absurd right you can take that that sort of logic to an to an absurd extreme You know, you think Mm -hmm. about like we all face any any parent faces the issue of like, okay, when do I let my kids watch this movie? They've really been wanting to been wanting to watch where there's, you know, not it's it's not like pornographic, but there's like, you know, there's scenes in it that you're like, well, I'm kind of conflicted about whether I want them to see this or there's bad language in it that I really don't want them like starting to talk that way. And so you have to like you have to judge with each kid like there's a desire to want to see this and they're are good things about this. And I enjoyed this movie when I was, you know, the first time I saw it. And so you've, you've got away all those things. Otherwise you're just, you're just like hiding behind. You're Mm -hmm. just hidden. You're hiding yourself from the world. And eventually your kids, guess what? They are going to, if you just, if you just try to hide them from everything in the world, every possible bad thing, Mm -hmm. that's not human. That's like, they are going to rebel against that. And and they're going to associate that with, with Catholicism and they're going to rebel against that too. Yeah.
2: It's also unhealthy. You know, Fran and I were talking about this earlier too, is you can't hide all the things from your kids their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Any kid that's going to want to read Harry Potter is going to get their hands on it one way or another. And you as the parent can either control the, you know, the the environment uh, in which they do read Harry Potter, or you can just, it can be under somebody else's rules or no rules at all. And I feel like it's just a better choice to say, you know, Yes, you may read it, but I'm going to read it with you or, you know, we're going to talk about this beforehand and teach them how to deal with controversial things because yeah. um, they're not going to be able to hide from it their whole lives no. and they're going to find it. If they want to find it, they're going to find it. Yeah. And I would rather be the one that they're coming to with the questions and with the concerns um, than somebody else or no one at all. There's a great... but that's harder. Yeah, it is yeah. harder. It's yeah. absolutely harder. Yeah. And it's it can be exhausting but it's an important skill mm-hmm. you know
3: there's a great word um that pope francis has been really trying to impress impress upon uh people for most of his pontificate and that word is discernment and <laughs> um yeah and 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 the the truth about discernment is it's not easy right um it's a it can be challenging so um you know i, I think that this is this this is an opportunity and i wish more priests honestly would be like would help you know, would, would do maybe that, that like take, you know, be like, okay, here's a popular cultural thing. Here's some things I want you, I want you to understand parents about this as you, as you help your children discern right, right and wrong and the path that they should walk in life. Right. But, uh, it, because it's much easier to just tell people, don't do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, Mm -hmm. don't do this. And, and that makes it easier for people, but but really, when you when you actually read the Bible and you read who Jesus is and his and his fullness of revealing God to us, um, that's he doesn't cut us any slack on on discernment, right? He's like, no. he's like, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just, I mean, yeah, sometimes he says it black and white, it's clear as day, but most of the time he's playing, he's like riddling with us. You know, like
0: like I'm actually going to talk to the tax collectors and the prostitutes, yeah. and guess what? I'm not going to become one.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: But I'm going to engage it. I'm going to engage it, and I'm going to redeem it. And I think that's mm-hmm. our that's our college Christians also is is to look for Jesus, look for the opportunities to redeem. And there's so much good about Harry Potter in terms of a Christological mm-hmm. story oh, yeah. of mm-hmm. of you know <laughs> self sacrifice and and all of those things that loyalty we can and loyalty and we and can courage. draw those out and make them you know redeem it for Jesus. Yeah. So what if the devil uses it? The devil uses a lot of things. I mean, and this is the tie back into our talk of the Blessed Mother today. You know, the, a lot of people in, in in the Protestant churches and outside of the Catholic Church believe that what we're doing with the Blessed Mother in terms of praying to her, asking for her intercession, a, as well as the saints, is demonic, mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. seeing something that we hold as so good and 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 holy and nurturing and edifying as demonic, mm-hmm that they, that's their perspective on it. And and they're earnest in that perspective, because you can find, and you could, if you're looking for evil, you're, you're going to find it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so I feel like we, it's our job to explain it well, Mm -hmm. to, to do the hard work of discerning, of -hmm. having the conversations of, you know, really reflecting on why we're doing the things we're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and if we're doing them well. No. Exactly. And it, it comes back
2: to just, you know, I feel like a lot of misconceptions, mm-hmm. you know, um, not just with Harry Potter and maybe the world of magic and all the things, but also with like we talked about Mary and the communion yeah. of saints, like, you know, just how, what does the church teach about them mm-hmm. and our relationship to them? Yeah. Um. You know, cause that's, that's the truth. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not just what we perceive because a lot of times our perception is, is cloudy at best.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it it doesn't really change much for me in terms of the books. I mean, um, you know, I think they're I think they're good books. I think there's a lot uh, that's that's laudable about. I mean, I, not you know, it, there's a clear good and evil in the stories. Yes. Um like it teaches a um, you know, in a world where you know, in our world, like there's not for most kids, it's like good and evil are not like clear concepts that they're necessarily. Uh, always like that they that they kind of encounter on a daily basis in a very clear way. And
0: well and, and let me jump there really yeah. fast purposefully so. Like mm-hmm. uh, many of our like, you know, Disney fied yeah. uh characters of evil, they're not so bad anymore. Yeah. You know, they're they're actually they're actually just kind of misunderstood. It's right. not really evil. It's just mr mis- <laughs> Voldemort is not misunderstood.
1: It's
0: yeah. you know? just a bad dude. We do not we do not have to have sympathy for him in the same way that we do not have sympathy for the evil one who is trying to destroy our souls. You right. know yeah like there there is a delineation there that is clear and good and needed in this world. I mean there is black and white. There's gray, but there is black and white. So let's at least acknowledge when we see that and laud that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And the and you know the whole like you talked about
2: redeeming, you know, the evil for good. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's one of the central messages of the Harry Potter book. Mm-hmm. You know? Is yes, it's good versus evil, but who who triumphs? Yeah. It's we know the, the end of the story. Yeah,
0: we do. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. It was that a spoiler? Oh. Sure. <laughs> John, you'll have to edit this to include a spoiler alert
2: at
3: the beginning. It, spoil. There, there are no no longer such thing as spoiler alerts for Harry Potter in this world. So it's been been too long, okay. too pervasive. Oh,
2: <laughs> you. Okay. Good. Good. Good.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for including Great. me in that conversation, y'all. Thanks. Thanks for letting me for uh get you. get some stuff off my chat <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs>
1: You were, you were a very controlled. Brand <laughs> told uh, me once, I can tell that was therapeutics.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, I think let's just. Uh,
1: I wrote a blog and she was like, I can tell that was therapeutic." Yeah. That was a nice way of saying, wow.
3: <laughs> well, and, and, uh, hey, for, for those who are listening, I think, uh, let's, let's remember to pray for, um, uh, for Father Dan and the parish of St. Edwards and that have been kind of drawn up into this national spotlight and have, have attracted with anything like this when you're drawn up into, into something like this, you attract the crazy, and um, there's so there's not just like people having reasonable discussions about this, like we are. Um, yeah. There is like people there there are people probably I think that are sending death threats and those kinds of things to Father Dan, and which is just you know like insane. I mean that's just. Well- and and Stupid. how is that
0: a defense of Harry Potter? Like we're not about the occult and evil, right. except die anyone who. <laughs> 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 right. so, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, not
0: painting not yeah. painting the supporters in a
2: very positive you're, light. You're, That's you're not serving sure. your purpose, friends. No. Please mm-hmm. don't
0: send death threats. Right. And yes, you know we have a Bellator Society out there. We have a society of warriors, of prayer warriors who can who can do this job. So thank you, John, for definitely recommending us to pray for Father mm-hmm. Dan and and all the people of his parish and and parents out there. You know that that we can do our job better. Yeah. Um, um, mm-hmm. um, and and, and let's, what we consume.
3: Let's thank God for good for good priests who care enough about our souls that they are willing to take hard stands, even when they may be unpopular, um, even if we do disagree with them, right? Yep. Um, <sighs> let's thank God for that. So,
1: Trey, take it right. out. Have a good one. <laughs> 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 no, my, my, last bit, my last little bit was that I just had a Harry Potter birthday party. I just took my daughter to Universal Studios Harry Potter. She got selected to pick out her wand. The you know, the fan that's from I don't know where that's hidden where her hair like flies back when all <laughs> the like little boxes of wands come out and then her one wand is selected. Um it was so fun <laughs> sounds that sounds like awesome that sounds really awesome this yes. is not um that I don't need to like reevaluate our our life and our family and the books that I let her read so <laughs> thank <laughs> you for medifying
0: Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.